Here I go. Oh my gosh, it's the Whenever It Kicks podcast with me, Jessie Kay. This is episode 40, I think. Episode 40, had a little break, two weeks off. The problem is once you miss one week of doing a podcast, it's very difficult to get back on that podcast horse. So I'm sorry if you missed me. I don't think anybody did, but uh, I'm back and I'm hoping to be, uh, you know, consistent. Consistency is key. I think consistency is the most vital thing in life, really, in terms of if you're a creative. Uh, consistency is just all you need. I'm trying to, trying very hard to write a book and I think failing quite miserably, quite miserably. I think, uh, yeah, when instead of a novelist, I'm very much a, uh, it was very much a novel. That's my, that's all it is. Just a novel. I did one. That's, did one. One hit wonder. Well, it kind of a hit. It was a hit. I guess it was a hit. Yeah, I'm going to own it. It was a hit. One hit wonder. That's me. I'm like hearsay. But with a chiclet. Actually, it's not chiclet either. I, I wish it was chiclet. Then I'd have less pressure on myself. I, I not Nothing against chiclet. Chiclet's great. It's just I'm not trying to write chiclet. Who is, really? Who is? Was Hilary Mantle trying to write chiclet and accidentally wrote absolutely beautiful historical novels who knows anyway I've detoured massively podcast I'm 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 rusty I'm podcast rusty um I'll kind of explain why I had a little break I I the last podcast I explained that I was doing a social media detox um I think my body and my mind is very slowly coming to the realization that I absolutely have a deadline so the first thing to go was Instagram or the social media. Um, not that social media was a huge part of my life, but it was uh, probably massive, absolutely massive. So the fact that I'm not doing that daily anymore has uh, definitely freed up my mind to potentially write beautiful prose. Um, but still waiting for that to kick in, waiting for the social media detox to have a positive effect on my novel writing. And then, then what stopped was any extra things, extra things just cut from my life. So Alfie, he's an extra thing. He's cut. No, I'm joking. He, well, basically Alfie is, uh, Alfie and me accidentally have started spending less time together. <laughs> Every time I say I'm about to do a podcast, he's like, please, please don't say anything that tattle life or whatever it's called can bitch about. Um, no, we've just realized fourth child in that it, the relationship does suffer, doesn't it? It does. I think we have a really great relationship, not to boast. Um, don't like people who, you know, do, you know, self-congratulate, congratulatory statements and posts about how amazing their life is with their partner and their lover and their husband and their one, their one. Um, but I do think we have a good relationship and I, it's noticeable that in the last few weeks, as we both have got busier, um, yeah, the time spend part of our relationship has massively been reduced. So I miss him, which is horrible to say, you know, you can live with someone and still miss them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been weird because I think as he's got more successful, <laughs> Um, or busier, in demand, whatever. It, it it definitely is. It takes some adjusting to, doesn't it? Because I don't believe, and this is a 
horrifically unfeminist thing to say. Again, sorry, probably someone should just make a montage of all the unfeminist feminist things I've said on this podcast, but it's very hard to be equal in a relationship anyway. And so to have both your careers thriving is near impossible, I think, with four children under the age of seven. I realized that. I started having kids at 26. I'm now 35. Had four kids in less than eight years. Four kids in seven years. Fuck. That's too many kids. Four kids in seven years. That's a lot of kids. And only one novel, novel has come out of it. So got to got to get a bit more prolific, haven't I? So yeah, I miss Alfie. That's the uh, update on that. He's doing really well. I'm trying to... I'm just so... I realized that I am just a supreme attachment parent. I just want to be attached the entire time. And I don't compromise on that. So I bring the baby to work if I have to work. If I have to write, I do it when they're asleep. Um, I like doing the the drop the the pickup from school. My mum does the drop-off because it's just too much to get out of the house with the babies in the morning. Um it's just, and obviously Alfie, sorry, don't forget Alfie. Um, what I've realized, I think I just, I need my mum to live with me. That's, that's the, that's the key. So she basically has been living here a lot of the time as we've, as Alfie's got busier and, um, it does make my life just a lot easier. I still just can't do childcare in terms of, I can't afford childcare and I don't want to do childcare. I've got this lovely nanny in the area who looks after some twins and uh, I've slowly started seeing her at things like rhyme time and, um, you know, stay and play things and around the area because she lives very close. And I started chatting to her more and it's, I think she now thinks that I want her to be our nanny. And I can't really say to her, mm, well, that would be lovely, but I can't afford you. And I don't want a nanny. Um, but it's just weird how everyone just assumes that once they get past two, which 10, 10 is two next month, um, that you get some kind of childcare. You get, you go to nursery or go to, you have a little childminder or a nanny. Don't know why I said little childminder, not all childminders are little. Anyway, so I feel the pressure is, is, is growing for me to get some kind of regular system down for 10. But the thing is, if I've got one at home, I might as well have two. I might as well have three, to be honest. I'll get pregnant again. Might I just get, maybe my solution to not writing a novel is, my, my solution to writing the novel is to get pregnant again and I don't have to write it. Maybe I'll do that. Hope to God they don't listen to this. Imagine if my publishers listen to this. Anyway, I'm doing fine. Almost written it. It's going to be fine. Don't worry, publishers. Anyway, on top of that, I've become, I can hear the baby screaming downstairs. So if you can tell I've got a little bit distracted, that's why. He is being looked after, but I can just tell that maybe he wants a boob rather than a pouch. I've realized that my days are now... They revolve around nap time, the nap time dilemma. So I spend probably about 30 minutes trying to get them to nap. They nap then for 20 minutes. And then I have to weigh up, was that worth my time? Was that 20 minute nap worth the 30 minutes trying to get them to nap? The answer is usually absolutely not. So, and I, it's always a, just a, a betting game every single day. It's like an action sequence, an action sequence in, a, in an action film. I feel like every day is like that as a mother. You know how they have like the music that makes everything built up and you can feel that there's a big, 
you know, there's going to be a chase or there's going to be a, a shootout or there's going to be like a reveal of something or you've got to get there in the nick of time. I feel like every day is like that as a mother. And it usually the big crescendo of the day is nap time. Will the baby sleep? Will the toddler sleep? Will the baby and the toddler sleep at the same time? Dun, dun, dun. Will you get more than 20 minutes? Dun, dun, dun. You got them to sleep. Oh my God, 30 minutes. Well spent. You did all the groundwork. You read the books. You gave them the bottle. You, you lay them down. You pretended to be asleep for 25 minutes like a lion just to sleep. And now you've got to creep out. Very slowly. Put the white noise machine on. Turn the white noise machine up. Why not? You won't deafen them. Turn it up. Turn it up. Close the door. Close the door very, very slowly. Makes a creak. Oh my God, have we, have we ruined everything by the door creak? Every day, every day that door creak almost ruins everything. But every day you do nothing about that door creak. And then finally they're asleep. Oh, but my phone charger's in the room. Oh, got to open the door creak again. Oh, okay. Woken my baby up. Okay. Now do I try... Again, spend half an hour trying to get the baby back to sleep by the time which the toddler needs to get up. Or do I just risk it and think, oh, the baby will be all right. I could just put him in the nice chair next to me for a little bit and I'll be able to do my novel then. Oh, tap, 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 tap. Oh, amazing novel. Tap, 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 tap. Or do I try and put the baby back to sleep? Yep, got the baby back to sleep. Great. Everything's going well. And it's been 20 minutes and they wake up. And then it's the last bit of the film where there's just tragedy and huge high stakes and and then you have to get through to bedtime with them only having slept 20 minutes oh the next crescendo of the film comes at 4 p.m they both want to go to sleep then oh but that might ruin everything anyway i'm playing this out my head i think this could be a great action film don't you think uh, i can still hear the baby screaming oh god does that mean i abort podcast i don't know um yeah so it's just a bit it's just a bit intense life right now in a beautiful way but i really just um, oh, right now I can hear a toddler. I can hear a toddler. Uh, it must be some kind of, uh, kind of scheduling error. They must have both done poos at the same time and it's just kind of caused a breakdown for the whole house. Um, yeah, still determined to be an attachment parent, still determined to breastfeed exclusively, um, apart from pouches here and there. And also I'm so, I've obviously got this kind of weird guilt complex about breastfeeding that I'm just because whenever I go out now and I see a, a bigger I, I size up the babies I'm like how big is that baby is that baby still breastfeeding okay I'm doing a bad job that baby has my baby has to breastfeed as until that baby is that big and then I hope I see that mom again in a few weeks to see if she's still breastfeeding and I keep little tabs on who's still breastfeeding who's breastfeeding like a bitch like an absolute judgmental bitch yeah obviously breast isn't best Fed baby is best baby, whatever the slang thing is. But it's just, uh, yeah, I'm just very judgmental and very worried that I'm going to be judged. And so I now do this thing of when I'm out and the baby doesn't need to be fed. The baby's just been fed. The baby's absolutely happy. I'm like, right, time to breastfeed. Just to show everybody I am breastfeeding still. Look at me. I'm breastfeeding. Do you want to see my boob? Here's my boob. No, I don't do that. The other day, actually, I... I was breastfeeding whilst they were playing football or something. I was doing outside breastfeeding, but we were in a private space. And then we went out of the private space. I forgot that I had my boob out and we walked straight into two elderly people who just saw my full boob, just one boob, fully out. And I thought, they are smiling weirdly at me. Why are they doing that? So yeah, 
the white noise machine is getting louder to try and keep them to sleep longer. I've now, I think I'm, I now feel like I should have white noise on all day, every day. And is that going to damage me somehow? Is, is there going to be studies showing that white noise is actually evil and it is an indoctrination of some sort? But the white noise, I just can't believe I didn't do white noise before this baby. Just amazing, amazing device. Um, so yeah, my choices as a parent are finally catching up with me. The, uh, the want to be around them the entire time for them to think that I'm here the entire time. And now it's reaching an ugly head because um, I have to go away and I have to film for six whole weeks next week. And I am, I mean, there's not an exclusive I can use that is probably appropriate, but I'm absolutely terrified and just feel like I'm abandoning them. And obviously I'm earning the money and that's good. And it's a job. Great. Woohoo. But um, yeah, just, I'm really, I'm, I'm very scared about not being there the entire time for 10. I think Donnie and Margot, I know will be fine because they have such a nice time at school. Alfie will be there. It'll be lovely. Um, and Alfie's taking the month off to, to be the, you know, stay at home daddy. <laughs> I just can't wait to see the WhatsApps. Um, to be fair, whenever I'm, I, the thing is WhatsApp is for complaining. So even if you are having a great time as a mum, you're still going to do the complaining WhatsApps. That's just impossible. So whenever I say, oh, you're going to, please don't complain to me when I'm filming because it'll make me feel really guilty. He's like, well, you complain. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's fair enough. But can you not complain? Um, so, and then on top of that, I've written an episode of the sitcom I'm in, um, which was, again, when I, when I said that I do that, didn't really think about the logistics, did I? didn't think that will involve a lot of work and that will not, that will be time not writing the book. May, I think what I've subconsciously done is do as much writing that's not the novel, almost as preparation for the novel. So I've written this, this sitcom episode and then I've adapted my book for hopefully what becomes a TV show. Obviously that's in my wildest dreams, but you never know. Um, yeah, so we've got, got these commissions going, which are great, but they're not what I should be doing. So I feel this constant guilt in my life daily, breastfeeding, pouches, not spending enough quality time with 10, them not sleeping enough, not doing enough crafts and imaginative play with Donnie and Margot, not listening to the Minecraft spiel for the hundredth time from Donnie, like not being there as much as I should be. And then on top of that, have the work guilt too. So I just feel like just a bit stupid sometimes, like what are you doing? Just, just, just stop. Just do one thing, but my brain doesn't work like that. It's just a weird brain that wants to do things. And, and again, I've got to be, just try and be kind to myself about that. You know, anyway, what else did I want to talk about? Yeah. I was asked a few questions and I thought I would answer some. I'm just going to take a sip of my pink grapefruit squash. Hang on a second. Wow. That just gave me a flashback of trying to drink on stage and then having to recover from drinking in public on stage. You suddenly feel like everyone is just looking at your mouth and looking at your throat swallowing. It's very, very, makes you very self-conscious. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, they get back from school, by the way, and I know absolutely nothing about their day. They could tell me that they went to the moon and back and... I would be like, I don't believe you. They could, they, they could tell me 
anything. And I just, I don't believe anything they say. This morning we were delayed. We were late for school because they found a snail. And they, they insisted on taking the snail to school and showing their teacher, the, you know, wanted to show the teacher the snail and have the, Donnie wanted to have the snail juice on his hand and then shake hands with his best friend, which I thought was quite gross, but also quite like sweet somehow. Yeah, lots of distractions. There's so many amazing things per day that I write down in my diary and I just hope that I remember, like, I just so, so stupid, but I just remember, I remember the little things like that, the snail moments and because when I see them written down, I'll be like, that didn't happen. But it did, you know, that loads of things every day are just so remarkable and beautiful and weird. And it's just, I think it's so much to take in, so much information daily from them. Like sometimes they say stuff that's so beautiful. And I'm like, that's too heartbreaking. Like I saw this thing on Instagram because um, a comedian I follow called Ellie Taylor, who I'm kind of friends with, she is doing Strictly. She was great. And she did a story about drawing a heart on her wrist um, because she's missing her daughter while she's training so hard for Strictly and stuff. And so the daughter draws it, she draws a heart on the daughter's wrist. And then throughout the day, they compress the heart to kind of send a thought to each other when they're missing each other. And I thought that was so sweet. So I did it to Margot, even though I'm, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere for now. But I thought to prep her for these, the next, you know, the, the the weeks of me being away, I thought I would I would kind of start her slowly. So I, yeah, I drew a heart on her wrist and she drew a heart on mine. And she we she just loved it. She thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then the next night she was hamming up, not going to bed and pretending that she was scared. And I was like, you're not scared. And then and then I felt bad because then she just started crying. I was like, but mummy, I just love you so much. I love you so much. And the thing where you drew on my wrist, you drew the heart, it was just the most amazing thing. And it just made me realize that I love you so much. And I just, and she just started crying with love. And I was like, this is just stop, stop. It's too much for my heart. I can't deal with it. And it's just like that happens every day. Something happens every day that just kind of makes your heart explode. And then you do it all again the next day. Your heart explodes tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You know, every time they fall over, it's like your heart stops. So you have these, the heart stops and the heart explodes every single day. And that is motherhood. Every day, explosions and stops. And you just have to carry on as if this is normal. This is normal. When it is, that's, that is the normal, that's the normal thing about mothers everywhere they're just every day is utter chaos and utter beauty anyway I was going to talk about sex for a bit but now it feels a bit weird I was going to talk about sex because I think it is just ridiculous how the second you decide to have sex the baby wakes up it's just universal isn't it like the second you even think about sex the baby's like, like oh maybe I'd like to that's that's Okay, maybe he'll go back to sleep. Don't worry, let's, let's, let's start. Let's just get going. I'm sure he'll self-soothe. So, who, which, who, what baby has ever self-soothed? It's a myth. That's a myth. But maybe the baby will just, let's just keep going. It'll be fine. Just, 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 just don't think about the baby crying. Just don't think about the baby crying. Just think about me. Just think about my body. Just think about me. And you can just sense in their body that they've tensed up and everything is just kind of stopping, ground to a halt. 
But you're like, no, there's just persevere. We can do it. Let's do it. Come on. Oh, this is amazing. Okay, game over. Let's go back to watching Succession. I mean, it's classic. I mean, I just think about the amount of times I've had sex over the last eight years that has been just fraught. <laughs> just fraught sex. It's just, you can't turn off your mothering instinct when you're having sex. So you, I mean, obviously you can have great sex and, you know, there are times which you do. I mean, I don't think you ever forget that you have a baby right there, but it's, it would be interesting to see if men are different. Like if you could look into their brains and for a second that they literally have no children while they're having sex with you. Whereas even when I am having sex, I absolutely have children <laughs> in my brain. It's just a conundrum, isn't it? The sex conundrum, the nap time dilemma, just, just every day an intelligence test. Um, so that's all I have to report, I'm afraid. I hope that I speak to you soon. I'm sorry if, uh, no, I'm sure I'm going to commit. I'm going to think I'm going to bring my mic to set so I can definitely continue to do my podcast while I'm filming. But um, yeah, I am sorry that I wasn't regular last week, but I will be back. And uh, yeah, I, oh, I, this is what I was going to talk about. This is my, this is my last thing. I got some questions sent in um, very sweetly and I do read my messages, even though I'm not on social media. I know that's de- technically you're on social media, but no, I'm just getting my, getting my post. All right. Just getting my post, seeing who's tagged me. Oh my God. I did a Harry Potter reel at a convention I went to and uh, it's just a joke. It's literally, my mum filmed me not having anyone in my queue. I did have people in my queue. It was a lovely day. Like people did like me in Harry Potter. Some people didn't, but a lot of people wanted my autograph. Actually, more people wanted my autograph for trolley than anything else, which was hilarious. Anyway, um, yeah, so I did this funny reel and it's gone, you know, technically viral, millions of views of just abuse. <laughs> just people saying, oh my God, her character in Harry Potter was just so awful. And I preferred, I just preferred it without, I, the movie would be no different without her. She was basically an extra, stuff like this. It's really funny. If you want some entertainment, read through the comments. Feel free to comment back. Um, anyway, I, I, one question I got, which I thought was a quite nice question, um, was what was harder, the jump from two to three or the jump from three to four? And I'm not, not talking about a clock. I'm talking about ch- children, children numbers. So I found the jump from two to three hard. I think harder emotionally because I was so used to having just Donnie and Margot. And then I think 10 was just such a little difficult baby because of the vomiting. Um, that was just an ordeal going through those first few weeks of him vomiting and all nighters and the sleep deprivation I was just so unused to. But I would find, I, I would say uh, the jump from three to four has basically meant that I am. Yeah, I I just say the word impossible quite a lot. It's impossible, which is ridiculous because so many people have so many more than four children, but it is a lot. I think if 10 was older, it'd be um, a lot easier. He is just the, the king of the flat. He rules us. The day revolves around 10. And like I said, if he hasn't had a nap, then the day is done. He and and they play with him like he he's the glue in a way. Ten he bring he, yeah he, he's just he's just 
such a huge presence as well because he's such a loud boy. He screams and sings and laughs. Like we were watching Strictly and he's just like, dance with me, mummy, dance. He's already fully talking. He was walking by nine months. He is just just a daredevil and like a whirlwind of everything. And so I would say the three to four jump was, has been quite brutal. (laughs) But more physically than anything, I think that the, it was physically huge from two to three. And also because I hadn't been pregnant for three years, maybe even four. I was four when, it was three when I was pregnant with 10 and then four when he was born. But I think my body was like, whoa, whoa. And it got used to having periods again and all that stuff. So I think it was the most difficult now. Anyway, I hope I haven't complained throughout this 20, 20, oh, 24 minutes. This is a long welcome back podcast. 24 minutes of me just moaning. Sorry about that. Okay. Have a good day, everybody. Take care and speak to you soon. Thank you for listening.